You're listening to It's Getting Better, a podcast about mental health, hope, and overcoming challenges. While this podcast is not intended to replace medical advice or professional help, we hope that the stories and experiences shared by young people can help you on your journey of getting better. Kate, and today I am so, so thrilled that Uzi's here on the podcast with us today. So I'm just going to have her introduce herself and, and tell us why she's here and a little about her story. Okay. Hi, guys. My name is Uzi. I'm 20 years old. I'm from the United States. And where I was back in 2021 was one of the darkest times of my life. And now I'm at a perspective where I can help other people who've been through what I've been through. And I've struggled with bullying, uh, internet bullying, in-person bullying, uh, a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse from when I was little. So I think I also wanted to help other people because I know it's not easy to go through what you're going through because the first ever time I did go through what I was going through, I didn't ask for help. I just like, it's like a bottle where if you keep things in a bottle, it's going to explode. Like my friend likes to say, it's a soda can. And if you shake it, like, and you keep shaking it, you're not going to be surprised when it blows up. So when it blows up, it's worse than when you first started. So I think that's why I like helping people and do what I'm doing and being on podcasts and putting my story on websites and being on live streams and helping other people. I love it. And I, I do think you are very good at like taking the hard experiences that you've had and then turning it into a way that you can help people and, and be in fact impactful. Uh, and I think that's, that's very impressive. So you mentioned um, that, that you got bullied and that you suffered from abuse. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like what you learned from that and maybe how that changed your your relationships and your confidence and all of that? I think when I was first bullied, I was the bullies would tell me, don't speak up because you're a sissy or don't speak up because we don't want to get in trouble. Don't speak up because like that's uh, like snitch. Like they call me a snitch if I snitch. And I think from the bullying, I think I've kind of learned that it's it was never about me from the start. It was always about the other person and their insecurities and they were jealous of me and that they bullied because they had something inside that was insecure of them and they projected it onto other people. So I think when I started realizing that and people started telling me that, I think it took me some time to kind of like realize the bullying was never about me. Even though in my head, it was about me because it was towards me. So I think once my parents actually wanted to shift schools because of how bad the bullying was and I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Like you can push me and pull me. I'm not going anywhere. And I think the deans really protected me in that sense because they kept telling me oh we'll protect her we'll protect her we'll protect her and I think having those deans like really tell my parents that they're taking care of me and make sure it doesn't happen again even though it did continue I still had better support than I did going into it and I think my confidence has gotten so good nowadays because I'm like the days that I'm too happy I'm one of those people who have high highs and low lows so like when I'm in like a low spot I feel like it's the lowest ever and it's every single time and now when I'm happy I'm like super happy like you been like full amount of and there's nothing in between for me and I think the abuse I went through when I was little with the nannies um it was something I kind of 
didn't know that was happening until I was older and my parents like told me like this is why like you look different than a lot of other people and I would have bruises on my legs on my arms on my back on my neck I would have bruises on my head sometimes and my parents and my grandparents started questioning like what was going on at my grandparents home because they would drop me off there because they would work overseas so we lived overseas for a while but I was with my grandparents and it was just my grandparents at the time and my uncle and aunts would go to work so they were never home either so there was the nannies and my grandparents and my grandparents were very like they were up there in age so they were always in the room and I was with the nanny upstairs because my room was upstairs so I would like have the nannies with me upstairs and then times I would come down to see my grandparents they started noticing I had like bruises and I would cry for no reason and like the nannies would tell me to shut up and not say anything about it and I think that's just kind of like where it started for me but I think knowing that I went through abuse it kind of just in my head I just kind of it rotated that like yeah, I've been through it, and sometimes I've never looked back on it. And now looking back on it, I just feel so bad for me as a little girl who had the smile that would like fill the room, that made a room light up, and no one realizing that I was abused, I was bullied. I've been through the darkest time of my life, and I actually have a picture right now that's like fun. That was a little girl that no one knew that anyone was going through it. And I think hiding what I've been through was something I think I learned from the culture because the culture was you don't speak up, you don't talk about your problems. If you do, you sound as crazy. Because in my culture, if you speak up, you're crazy, basically. And the stigma has gotten better overseas. So I think it's gotten better, but I still don't tell a lot of people overseas. I've only told a couple of my uncle and aunts, so not a lot of people know. But, yeah, I wish, I hope someday it does get better and I can be open overseas about it when I go visit. Because, like, I have to fake, be like, yeah, I'm doing good. Like, I'm dandy and fine. Like, the times I'm actually not, it's like, I wish, I I was glad that I live here in the U.S. now. So, yeah. I think both overseas, but just in general, there's definitely a culture of not speaking up and not talking about the hard times and um, putting on a facade that, you know, you're just perfect and great. And I feel like that's especially true on social media. So how have you overcome that, like seeing other people who seem like they're just doing great and, you know, are, are, are you able to be vulnerable or do you have to put on a facade? What does that look like? Social media is a highlight reel of their life. It's not real life. And sometimes when I am going through it and I go on social media and I see everyone happy, I'm like, I wish I was that happy. I wish I was there. And like, I have to keep reminding myself, this is a highlight reel, Uzi. This isn't real life. This is just the good parts they put on social media. This is not the real them. This is a highlight reel. And I feel like sometimes I have to remind and remind and remind myself no one ever posts the bad times. I feel like that's why I also post my recovery and like I post quotes, I post different things about mental health. You've seen it. So I feel like I'm being more open now because I realize it's a highlight reel. So I post what I want to and people do get sick of it, unfortunately, but I'm never going to stop posting about it because it's part of my life and it's affecting me. And I think when I go to work for a while, it was put on a facade, put on a facade, you look happy. And I think as I started letting people in slowly and I'm so slowly letting them in, it's taking me time to kind of like let it inside me. So I feel like it's I'm still working on it. And 
I'm only open with six people out of the 23 people that the team I work on. So it's still taking me time to kind of trust. Because I feel like I have really bad trust issues. So I don't let everyone in. So I feel like I'm very, like, picky, picky of who I let in. So I think that's where it's kind of started for me. And I think social media is... I'm never repeating. Social media is a highlight reel of your life, people. Wake up. Oh, my gosh. I totally agree. And I, I love that you are, you know, being open and sharing your recovery online and, and with the people around you. I think that's impressive and wonderful. And I'm sure, like, it really does make a huge difference for the people who who get to see that. Uh, you mentioned this recovery journey. Can you tell me more about that and how you're learning to take care of your mental health? I think for my recovery journey from April back in 2021 to now, it's what, February 2023. Um, it's been very different for me because I finally got a therapist that I needed, a psychologist, the correct medicine, the correct support system. Because I feel like if you're in mental health recovery, I think the biggest thing that I've learned that people have told me and I think people don't realize is you need a good support system. If you're struggling or if you're in recovery, you need a good support system because that could make a difference between life and death because if you don't have a good support system, you're going to get a lot worse and you're not going to get better versus getting better and like realizing getting better is like with the correct support system, the correct recovery system, the correct therapy, the correct medicine, the correct psychologist. So I think where I was back in 2021 and I was the first time I remember walking into the office to get the correct medicine, the correct diagnoses. I, like, my friends kept telling me, I was, like, texting them, like, hey, this is happening today. Like, I updated my friend. So I was telling them, like, hey, it's happening today. They're, like, the number one thing they all told me was, be honest. And I was just, and I was so nervous. And they kept telling me, the only thing you need to remember is being honest. Be honest on that test. Don't lie. Don't, like don't fake it I think the first time I took it I did lie unfortunately and I know I shouldn't have because I was still scared to get help but then the second time I took it I was completely honest so I think that's why it was different for me so I think going and having that support system and therapy and within my friend within my psychologist within my family I think if I didn't have the correct support system I wouldn't be where I am without them I'm so, so glad you found that support because I feel like that is, that is a huge deal. And it can be such a game changer to realize like, okay, there are people on my team who want me to get better and they're, you know, they're here for me. They're supporting me. It's, it's huge to be able to like have that, that mindset. And you mentioned that you, you started therapy, you started medication. Can you tell me more about like how those things were important to your recovery and your journey? I think going into therapy, the first session, it's not always easy because they always say, the first therapist isn't always the one for you. You have to go through so many therapists to find the correct one. And I think I was lucky enough first worked for me and I still have it to this day. I've had it for two years now and it's worked miracles. But sometimes I'm just like, do I really want to recover? I don't know if that's just me or if it's like, I don't know if I want to recover. I'd like where I am. And it's like, it's, that's not you. That's your mental illness brain telling you not to get better and I think I started realizing that and I think I was honest the one of the few times I actually cried the first time I cried in therapy my therapist stood up it was on Zoom but she stood up and she clapped and she's like I'm so proud of you for like crying in front of me that's like a huge thing and it like made my heart glow because like I don't cry in front of a lot of people if I cry it's by myself on that bed by myself so it's like 
able if I'm like able to do that find my friends and my therapist it just like it makes things better and it makes me feel less alone so it's like I don't think of it as crazy so I'm lucky enough to have that and then the medicine just like it helps manage my mental illness and it helps manage like my ADHD and my anxiety and stuff like that because like if I'm not on medication with my ADHD I'm very crazy not crazy but like I'm very like energetic and I don't like being energetic a lot because it drains my energy and my battery like super fast because I can use that energy for days and then I crash and it's like I'm done I'm tired I don't do it and then with the energy like with the ADHD medication it, there's also very downsides let me be honest there are a lot of downsides unfortunately to medication one of the many medications uh for ADHD uh one of the side effects is you can't eat it's a suppression it's a food suppression that's in the ADHD medication so for for me that sucked because I was also in eating recovery so having the food suppression meds I was like after I found out and actually I started feeling it and I started questioning it and I looked it up and I was like oh my god like this has food suppression that's why I'm not hungry that's why I don't want to eat and that's why I'm not like hungry all the time anymore and I'm not eating a lot I um I started eating maybe I was eating three meals before recovery and then during recovery I started only eating twice or once a day max and my therapist put me on the meal plan where it's, I have two snacks a day with a lunch and a dinner that way I can start tolerating food again because it's food suppression and me starving myself because of body image and what people said I think for me, that was, like, slowly getting back into, like, the cracked eating habits, the cracked energy for my body. Because people tell you, feel your body the right way or don't, like, don't feel it the wrong way. So I feel like I feeled it the wrong way for so many years. And I feel like I finally am starting learning because I'm still on that meal plan because I do struggle sometimes with eating. Because days I go to work, like, today, I don't usually eat till after work because I'm stressed because I love that team and I don't want them to lose but like seeing them struggle and stuff like that makes it really hard so I think before work it's like till like what four and then it's like after work at like around 10 o'clock when I get off I eat once and then I end up feeling nauseous and I why because I ate late at night and I should be eating through the day not just at night and I think my parents started realizing it and the thing is, they forced me to eat now, which is, I'm grateful for that. But it's also like, I don't want to eat. I'll be like, yeah, I'm full. Making the season, I'm like, yeah, I'm full. I'm not hungry. I'm nauseous. I don't want to eat. So like, you're eating or you're not getting up the dinner table and we're turning your Wi-Fi off. And I feel like that really got me to eat. But it's also like, I have to be honest with my therapist. So it's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, we're going to keep you on this meal plan until you can, like, meet it consistently. Because for a while, I was meeting it consistently consistently for six seven months and then I stopped and I don't know who why but I'm doing better now and it's yeah I love what you're talking about that like even in this recovery journey you you know you got a therapist and you started on this meal plan all of that there have still been ups and downs and there are still things you are struggling with and figuring out and I, I love that you talk about that because I think sometimes at least for me I get it in my head that's like I, you know, I have to like, just like fix it all and be better just like that. Like it has to just happen. So I love you talking about like, Hey, it's a process and there's a lot to figure out. And so it's just, you know, it's a bumpy road, but hopefully you're, you know, going upwards and, and getting to a better point over time. 
when we talked before before recording, you mentioned that um, a lot of what you talk about men- with mental health is trying to help your friends and the people around you. And I know that that's very important to you. So will you talk to me more about like how you can support someone uh, who's who's struggling, you know, a, a friend or a family member or a colleague? You know, what can you do when you see someone struggling? I think when you read about like depression or like if you know the signs of depression, signs of anxiety, signs of PTSD, signs of eating disorders, signs of bipolar or whatever, I think being open with the people around you, not everyone, but like the correct people or like the closest friends or your family or your therapist, psychologist, whatever not. I think it's very like, you should be very honest about it because they just want to help you. They don't want to see you get worse or like, God forbid, like pass away or die because you decided to do something stupid. But I think getting the right support is something that I truly needed and I truly got. And I think I'm still learning to be able to pick up the phone and text a friend, be like, hey, like, I need to talk to you. I'm not doing so well. Can we talk? And I think being like that is just like being open. Because I'm not open with my parents. I'm not close to my parents, obviously. But um, picking the phone, texting my therapist, texting my psychologist, texting one of my friends, because I do so so with hesitating to text because I'm like I don't want to wake him up because when I'm usually going through stuff it's late at night and it's like what 12 1 and I'm like I hesitate and I'm still not to hesitate because I know they want to be there for me but the whole thing I'm like what if they're sleeping or like what if they're drinking what if they're doing all that and I'm like I don't like I hesitate and I feel like people shouldn't hesitate because it's like it's just trying to be there for you honestly as a friend, as a colleague, as a family member, as a supporting system, people need to be there for you. Like, honestly, if I wasn't there for them, they weren't there for me, I probably wouldn't be who I am. So I've been correct to support system and reaching out saying, hey, picking up the phone, calling, texting me, like, hey, I'm not doing so hot. I need to talk. Or like, hey, I need this. Or can I vent? So I text my friend and be like, can I vent? Can I talk? And it's when I'm able to it like takes like this weight that's on my shoulders and just goes it comes off my shoulders and it feels so good and I feel like being able to be open is something that everyone should learn from like the get-go and I feel like it should be taught in schools and it's not unless you take a psych class in high school or a psych class in college you're not going to learn about it in the real world unfortunately yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I want to hear more about if you are on the receiving end of that. Like, what if what if you get that text? What next? What do you what do you do? How do you how do you support you know a friend who texts you at midnight and says, "Hey, I'm not doing so hot." Um, I've actually been on that end multiple, 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 multiple times on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. People will be like, "I want to do this," or "I want to do that," or "I'm not doing so hot," and I'll try to be there for them, give them the proper advice, be there for them, just listen or talk or give them advice. I'm there, but if it's more than what I can give, I refer them to a therapist, psychologist. Be like, "Hey, this is how much I could help you. Here are the next steps to getting help. How else can I support you?" That's so good. And I think the process of referral is hugely important because, you know, as a friend, we can listen and we can, you know, we can love and put our arms around them, but we're not experts and trying to be is probably, it probably does more harm than good. So being brave enough to say like, okay, you, you should probably get a therapist or, Hey, let me, let me help you call this helpline or something like that. Is, yeah. Cause is I big. remember, um, 
my friend telling me you can't because I'll be like I want to save everyone I'm like I want to be superwoman I want to be there for every single person that texts me calls me I want to be there for everyone but my friends remind me you can't be a superwoman to everyone you can't save everyone and then it like breaks my heart because I just want to be there for everyone but like at the same time I cannot and I'm not a superwoman and I can't yeah absolutely I think you've got a, an amazing mindset on that of like okay you know at some point they, they need more help than I can give. I do feel like, I mean, you're talking about just dozens of people that have reached out to you and obviously you've been through a ton of hardship. I feel like mental health in our generation, in like young people today, is a, a much bigger problem than it's ever been before. Or maybe we're just talking about it more. I don't know. But it feels like it's a really big deal. What, what are your thoughts on, on why that might be? I think nowadays it's like getting into college. One of the many of people in college they drink and that's a problem because they drink away their problems and I feel like I I can not I can't I don't drink but I know certain people that drink their problems away and they don't talk about it because they think they're men and they're not supposed to like not supposed to cry not supposed to talk about it and I have to remind them like it's okay to talk about it it's okay to go through it I'm here for you I've had to text so many guys and be like I'm here for you like talk to me please do not drink please text me I'm here for you please let me in with one of my friends recently I had to like be like on him like hey let me in we have been each other's best friends for a couple months now let me in let me help you because I feel bad if I don't help and I feel like some of the guys that uh, are on the team that I work for they still doing their problems away because I see on Instagram and it just it breaks my heart because I tell them I'm like I'm here for you I'm here for you I'm here for you I can only say that so many times I can only give myself so much energy to the point I'm like I'm here for you like it's like sometimes it's draining being a part of that team because I'm trying my best and I'm giving a thousand percent into that job like most of the time unless it's like it's too much for me but like I give my hundred percent and I give those boys everything and I give them what they need to hear and I'm there for them and it's like sometimes I'm like I need a break or like I wish they were there in my shoes or I wish they would text me and be like, hey, like we need this. So like we're here for you. And I feel like sometimes I do get that. Sometimes I don't. And it's a learning process for me to be like, what is my good energy put into and what is bad energy? And I love this team. That's why I do not give up on them. But sometimes I'm just like, I'm tired. I don't want to fight it. I don't want to do it. I don't. But I told my family, like, I'm like, I don't know how much I can take. I'll text the coaches. I'm like, I don't know how much more I can do for this team because my battery is draining and it's just kind of on that level. It's like, I feel like today, yesterday, I was actually telling myself, tomorrow's be one of those days I'm going to drag myself out of bed and get myself there because I love that team. Even though I'm exhausted and I've had a lot going on, I'm still going to be there for them, even though I'm exhausted. And that's what exactly what I'm going to do. I'm dragging myself out of that bed and I'm going to work today, even though I kind of want to, but I kind of don't. I mean, I think you bring up a good point that, um, be, you know, being someone else's support system and, and caring for someone else's mental health, you have to set boundaries for yourself too. And you have to take care of yourself because like you said, that can be draining and exhausting and it, you know, it can deplete your own, your, your own mental wellness. So there's, there's a hard balance there and it's hard to figure out, like you want to be all in on helping someone else, but, but you also have to take care of yourself at the same time. And that's just as important. You can only preach so much. You can, you can only preach so much to acquire until they actually want to like 
talk about what they're going through. Only one of the guys has been super honest with me. The rest, nothing. And I keep telling them, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And they're like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But they never open up. And I'm just like, hey, you good? Like, I check in with... I, before and after the game, I check in with those boys. Even on random days, I check in with them. And they either leave me on open and be like, yeah, thank you. Like, we're good. And I'm just like, no, you're not. Like, I can tell when they're off. Like, even after games when they lose. I text them. I'm like, hey, good game. There's always tomorrow. There's always another game. I'm here for you if you need to talk. And it's like, and they're in a bad mood. And coaches keep telling me, yeah, just ignore it. They're in a bad mood. And I'm trying to be there for them. I'm there for them. And if you go through my DMs, go through my DMs. At least seven of those guys are in my DMs that I text. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. If you need to talk, I know you're in a bad mood, but I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And like sometimes I'm like, can I just stop doing this? I'm not. I love them, but it's like, when do you tell yourself to stop? I sometimes just like, I give up. I don't want to text them. I don't want to like talk to them. Like I've said what I've said and it's getting exhausting. And it's like, just like some days I'm like, after work, I'm just like, I don't want to talk about hockey. Like, my parents are like, how is work? I'm like, I don't want to talk about work. The past, like, couple weeks, I've just been like, I don't want to talk about work. Can we not talk about work? That's how tiring sometimes it gets. And, like, last week, too, I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to my room. I'm going to dinner. And I'm going to bed. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's a big responsibility that you're taking on. Like, feeling that much, like, ownership over someone else's mental health. Like, that's got to really take a toll on you. That's crazy. Okay, my last question for you today um, is... What what advice do you have for any other teens that are working on getting better, that are struggling? Um, you know, maybe maybe what advice would you give to your younger self or some of these other people that you're you're taking care of? I think that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to talk about it. And make sure your schedule is like a dinner plate where it's like you schedule yourself the way you want to be scheduled. And you can take things off your plate or your schedule. So like asking for help or going to therapy, put that on your plate or like journaling, put that on your plate. Or if it's like talking to a friend, put that on your plate. So it's like asking for help that it's okay and reaching out don't hesitate because people just want to help you and be there so I think that's the biggest thing for me yeah I like check in with tons of people all the time I check in on them I actually had to check on a couple of my friends and then the team and I was like you should see my dms like my dms are just like my god you know my long list of things I'm doing and it's like people are like you're gonna get burnt out again I'm like I'm not gonna get burnt out